I just want to start off by saying, um, just uh, conveying our, our deepest love from Maranatha Baptist Church in Ridgewood, Queens. Um, and uh, just ex so excited about this pulpit swap initiative. Uh, gra grateful to be here and serving with you as your pastor is who knows where. Um, I mean, quite frankly, I didn't tell my church was where I was going because I didn't want them to follow me. Uh, but... <laughs> And, and apparently, uh, the next thing after the pulpit swap is going to be a congregation swap. So we're going to stay home and get a new church that Sunday. It's going to be exciting. Um, no, that's no, no, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Uh, but man, uh, it's it's good to be here this morning. And it's it's honestly, it's great to fellowship in the same sweet presence of the Holy Spirit and sing uh, together with, with a bunch of people that I've never met, but, uh, but I, we're connected in the same spirit. And, and it's just the, the amazing thing about church, that wherever you go, even though you don't know those folks, you're related uh, with that, that unique bond that comes from the Holy Spirit, and we're family in Christ. So I, I'm just overwhelmed to be here and serving with you this morning. Um, and as a church back uh, at Maranatha, a little while ago we started looking at the book of Acts. Uh, man, as we've been going through this pandemic and as, as kind of everything shifted, we had to uh, stop services and we, have to, we had to reinvent the way we do things and kind of took us out of our context, right, where you, you, you stop coming to church on Sundays for a while and you're like, what is going on? I, this is weird. Right, and when you come back, no children's classes, no this, no that, and everything is is different, and it kind of kind of makes you go back to what is the essence of church. So, so to do that, we started going through the Book of Acts. We felt like, man, we need to go back to where the church was started, and just um, spend some time through the Book of Acts and. Uh, follow the, the, the early church in, in those footsteps and figure out, you know, what are the lessons that come out of it. And, and um, that's what we've been doing at Maranatha for a while. I want to share with you some of the lessons that we've learned. Um, and this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time in chapter 11. And, and I, I call that chapter um, the aftermath because, well... Chapter 10, you got to understand that chapter 10 is when uh, Peter is sent out to share the gospel with these Gentiles. I mean, for 10 chapters, the church somehow made it around without sharing the gospel outside Judaism, right? Jesus told them in Acts 1.8, you know, you should be, you know, my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when they heard that, they probably in their mind, they said, well, we got Jews here and we got Jews in Samaria and we got Jews all over the earth. So sounds good, man. They thought that Jesus talked about geography, right? Not necessarily going out to the nations. And, and I guess it's what happened. But, but they made up until here and the church, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll home in on some of those verses that point to that, never went out. You know, and sometimes we read the Bible like that, you know. Uh, it kind of, kind of reminds me of the story of, uh, of this good old Baptist that died and went to heaven, right? And he, uh, Peter asked him, like, what do you want to do now? You have eternity. And I'm like, well, I want to spend some time with, with the Apostle Paul, man, and talk theology. 
just dive into those difficult scriptures and really for the first time fully understand them, you know? And I was like, yeah, sounds good, man. And after a while, he sends them right in. After a while, Peter comes and checks with him and, and he hears this argument going on between this guy and, and Paul. And he steps in, what's going on? And Paul says, but I wrote it. And, and the Baptist said, well, that's not what you really meant. You know, sometimes that's what we do with scriptures. We read it, it's black and white. He said it, but we're like, well, but if we look in the broader context, no, man, that's what the Bible said. And Jesus told them, go make disciples of all nations. And then he again tells them, you will be my witness to the ends of the earth. And somehow they make it all the way to chapter 10 without sharing the gospel to, to the Gentiles, anybody else. And so chapter 10, the Holy Spirit comes and, and starts working in the heart of Peter and starts kind of working with him and, and, and giving him these visions and, and talking to him in a way that he would understand, right? He was expecting God to speak to him through visions. That's something that you see happening even in the Old Testament. He talks with Peter and wrestles with him and, and Peter decides to be obedient and he goes into the house of Cornelius and shares the gospel. Now, he, mind you, he's still trying to figure this one out. When he gets there, one of the shortest, just for the fun of it, read Peter's uh, sermon in Acts 2 and read Peter's sermon in Acts 10. Acts 2, man, you got this huge, I, I know because I had to preach on it, right? This huge, huge sermon packed with Old Testament and this and that. And man, he was in his own element there. He was just rocking. You know, he was sharing the gospel. Now you get to chapter 10 and he's preaching the gospel and he doesn't know what to say. He's got like a few verses where... The, his old, old Testament introduction basically narrows down to, well, you heard about that Jesus? Yeah, well, yeah, he, and then he says, well, he's the son of God and he died for you. And so, and while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit comes down visibly and confirms for everybody. That's why the Holy Spirit did this, confirm for everybody that that's what I'm doing. I'm sharing. I'm, I'm now taking the gospel to the Gentiles. So that happens, right? Chapter 10. Chapter 11 is the aftermath. See, chapter 11 starts uh, with these verses. Now, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard. You know, they, they, they caught wind of what was going on. They heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. So Peter went up to Jerusalem and the circumcision party criticized him. And he, he gets all this backlash. Wait, what, what are you doing? So chapter 11 is the aftermath of what God is doing. And, and it's basically two stories in here. There is a story of Peter explaining to the church in Jerusalem what's going on, what happened, you know, with Cornelius. And then there's another story that is different but drives to the same point. Right, as we will see, um, the story of the, the establishment of the church in Antioch, that incidentally is the most influential church in the New Testament, is the sending church for Paul and Barnabas, and all those missionary journeys and, and the rest of it, you know, right? But is the planting of that church. But both of them make the same point. Let me read the scripture for you first, and then we're going to dive right into it. Right. So Acts 11. Now as now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So 
when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began explaining to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and uh, in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let in down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth, but the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. That happened three times. And all was drawn up again to heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no dis uh, distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me and were... Uh, and we entered in that man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel standing in the house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And I began to speak. Uh, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave to this, the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying then to the Gentiles, also God granted the granted repentance that leads to life all right this is the first story now moving to the second story you kind of you're going to see kind of the same theme it sort of starts like the first one right first one starts with the church hearing of what's going on and this is how it starts in in the second one now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over stephen traveled as far as phoenicia and cyprus and antioch speaking the word to no one except the jews but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the, uh, Lord, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came, he saw the grace of God. He was glad. And he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord and with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year, that they may, um, for a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called. Christians, right? Um, so chapter 11, the af aftermath. Um, one of the 
overwhelming things that you see here, not only here, rather, in, in, in the whole book of Acts. One of the overwhelming things that you see is the fact that God leads His church. And this may sound like something, well, of course, God, no, God really, God leads His church. God led His church to start, to begin, to, from, you know, from the beginning. God led uh, the church when Peter spoke and a great multitude came to Christ. God led the church when they started serving one another uh, and, and taking care of each other's needs. God was, was leading the church even when he rebuked Ananias and Sapphira and they were struck dead in church. God was leading that and clear, uh, purifying his church. God led the church even in the times when the apostles were arrested. God was leading the church even when Stephen was martyred, killed. Well, how can God lead in that? Well, if you think about it, one of the, one of the people that were there listening to his sermon was actually Saul, who later became Peter. Well, and as a matter of fact, God was leading the church even in times when Saul was actually um, wreaking havoc in the church and, and was, was persecuting the church. God was leading the church in those times because when Saul, for instance, uh, when Stephen, for instance, was persecuted, the church was scattered out and started sharing the gospel, uh, you know, outside the borders of Jerusalem. God is in control. Man, God is really in control with this pandemic as well, is what we learned. God was in control ever, even when we had to shut down our services. God was leading the church, and you, you probably wonder, well, how is God leading now? How is God glorified? I'll tell you, I don't know for you guys, but I'll tell you for us how God was glorified and how God led us at Maranatha. We, we, we closed our services, and obviously we started you know, doing something on the online and, and, and you know, keeping track of church and all that stuff, but we realized we, we had this deep conviction that when times are worst, the church should shine best. We are built for this. We are built to serve. We are built to go out there. So in, in, those, in, in these times of crisis, God really forced us to get out of these four walls and start serving. And we started serving and we started going out there in the neighborhood and man doing all kinds of stuff. And God really led us to, to show His mercy and His love in the community. And man, did, did God get glorified and, and people started learning and, and then uh, you know, joining uh, church and, and wanting to learn more. God is leading His church even in times of hardships. God was leading His church now when He sent Peter out to Cornelius. God leads <coughs> His church. See, I don't know if you ever noticed, but God never asked His church what He should do next. God never had a business meeting and said, church, here are my plans. What do you think? Let's put them to the vote. You know, is it comfortable? Is it within your budget? Uh, and I'm having a lot of fun with this budget thing because we served, you know, at, well, this is, this is kind of our inside joke at Maranatha. When I had my first board meeting in the pandemic and I said, brothers, we need to go out there and do this and do that and do that. And one of the folks in the, in the board uh, halfway joking, said, Pastor, show me the money. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't have them. But at the, at the end of it, I, God showed him the money. 
And, and as a matter of fact, we served, just to kind of give you a, an idea, for a while, for about 10 months or so, we fed about 300 families weekly. And, and amongst a ton of other things, and we spent out of our church budget, zero. Penny, no penny, nothing. God blessed us. And God poured His love into the community, to a church that is half the number of you guys right here, right? But we were just like, we want to serve. We want to go out there and serve, right? So God doesn't ask, check for our budget or our resources. God doesn't, God doesn't ask us, well, are you comfortable with this? You, you feel like you can do this? No, God goes out there and He leads and then the church follows. That's the story here in chapter 11. God goes out there and He shares, uh, gets Peter to share the gospel with these people and gets some guys to share the gospel in Antioch and the church starts and the ministry moves ahead and the church you know, hear, hears what, what, what's going on and they need to catch up with God. And really that's where the church should be. The church should always be anxious to see where is God leading? What is God doing? Where, where is the ministry headed? Because the church needs to catch up with God and go in that direction. God is leading His church. How did God lead Peter? Well, uh, we, we, we know the scripture. Um, God gave Peter the calling. It was in the form of a vision. It doesn't have to be a vision for you. It can be your, your devotional with the Lord. Or it could be this deep dissatisfaction when you walk down the street and you see something. You say, man, I wish somebody would do something. Should you get every, every guy one of those? And then you go straight to the pastor and you make him do it. <laughs> no, that's actually for you. Um, but Peter got the calling. He got the commission, right? The Holy Spirit tells him, go, you know. Um, he was, if you think about it, God also gave him a context. Cornelius already had that visitation from, a, from an angel. God was already working in the heart of and the family of Cornelius. So there's a context. When you go out and God gives you a calling, you better believe it that there is a context. You don't, just don't know it yet, right? But God sets up a context for that ministry. There's a confirmation. The Holy Spirit descended on that setting and, and gave Peter the confirmation. And there's also a... Um, there's also consolidation. So, or you see here that Peter says, well, it, I saw it happening and it's just as the Bible said and is that confirmation that comes from the Word of God. So Peter got all, the, all that stuff. And God is leading Peter and sometimes God is leading one person to see something that nobody else sees, to get that burden for something that, that is really in our blind spot. You know, churches have blind spots. Church has, churches has blind spots. And there are things that you don't even think about, but God calls you for that. And, and that's what God did with Peter. And Peter went way outside his comfort zone, man. Uh, as he said, God, I, I never went into a Gentile's home. Actually, as a matter of fact, if you read, it's funny if you read chapter 10, you know, when you go into somebody's home, you try and be nice and say thank you for, Peter goes up there and he says, well, you know, I shouldn't be here. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm a Jew and this is non-clean. Like, what? Peter, come on, man. That's the worst way to start a sermon. But, but he was way out there. And Pete, God calls him. Peter jeopardizes his credibility, his good name. Uh, and he definitely felt it when he went back to Jerusalem, all, all the criticism and all that. But God called him and he goes with that. 
He didn't even figure it out all the way. And that's what's fascinating to me. Peter, Peter and you see it in chapter 10, chapter 11 again. He finally realizes what's going on when the Holy Spirit comes down and says, Oh, oh, that's what it is, right? And what does that tell me is that God doesn't, God's plans don't have to make sense to me for me to follow. Sometimes we, we worship our mind more than the will of God. And, and, and so, well, if it doesn't make sense to me, God, I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, with my reasoning. And God doesn't need our, our reasoning. He needs our obedience, really. Church of Antioch is the same thing, right? Uh, and and um, you see it here, verse 19. There are those scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. And, and, and so they traveled to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word of God, well, to no one except the Jews, right? So they go up there and they find synagogues and they share the word of God to the Jews. But verse 20, man, I love this. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch, well, they didn't get the memo that they should only speak to Jews. And they spoke to Hellenists as well. They, they, sh they shared the gospel outside of the Jewish, you know, territory. And what happened? Well, and the hand of the Lord was with them. Now you don't see that just the verse before the, with the other ones. Well, they shared the gospel. That's awesome. But when they shared the gospel outside of the, 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 their comfort zone. The hand of the Lord was with them and blessed them. God is leading them in sharing the gospel outside of their, you know, Jewish. And understand this though. Um, we, you know, we talk about like, wow, why wouldn't they share the gospel, man? Like really, why wouldn't they? But if you think about it, it was, it was a shift so dramatic they were born and raised into a system that told everyone, well, you got to be separated to be holy. For hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, all the way to Moses, they needed to be separated. This was the mentality, the culture, the mindset, everything that, that were deeply inscribed into the DNA of what they believed was that, well, we need to be separate. When, when Peter says, I shouldn't be here, man, he's freaking out. He's like, I should not be here. I'm not sure. I know God is sending me, Right? Otherwise, man, I would not touch your gate with a stick. That's what, that's what it was. And for them to go outside into this really big unknown was, was really traumatic, was really hard. Right? And, but there are these guys who actually do it. And God blesses them so much so that a great number, the Bible says, a great number believed. God is leading. How is God leading these guys? Well, God was with them. God put the burden on their heart. They need to share the gospel. And when they do it, God is blessing it immediately. God is blessing it. And, and just kind of puts his stamp on it and says, yes, I'm here. I'm doing this. So first thing I want us to see this morning is that God is leading his church. And that begs the question, and this is the second thing. And the final thing that I want us to see this morning. See, when, 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 Paul oh, I'm, rather, when Peter explained this whole thing to the church, he asks a, a crucial question. He says, well, in verse 17, If then God gave the same gift to them as He gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
And here, here he comes. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Who was I that I could stand in God's way? What Peter is asking here is, how do you position yourself in relationship to God's will? How do you define yourself in relationship to God's will? Because see here, we got a few answers. If you go all the way at the beginning of the chapter, you see the circumcision party, right? These guys called Peter in for a briefing, like for a debrief. Like, hey, Peter, what, 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 are, what, what are you thinking? What are you doing? And these guys start hammering on Peter, right? These are the guardians of the law. <coughs> they are the ones who keep the ethos and the traditions and the, you know, all that good stuff. And, um, and when, when Peter goes outside their understanding, they, man, they get frustrated. See, later on, they, the, the church realized that this is what God is doing. But then these guys, instead of saying, oh, okay, well, Peter was right. No, they kind of slightly shifted their position. Now they're the Judaizers, the guys that would go wherever Peter or Paul would plant a church and they would go there and teach him the proper way to worship, right? Teach him Judaism, teach him the law of Moses and teach him this and that and kind of making sure that this church thing doesn't go out of bounds, right? These were the guys. Um, so one, uh, how do you think they would answer to Peter's question? Uh, who was I that I could stay in the, way, in the way of God? Well, they'd probably say, well, they wouldn't say it, but that's what, how they're acting. Like God would need to run His plans by them. Well, you know, if, if, if I don't see it, if I don't agree with it, then it's not something that should happen in church. So you got these guys. That's one reaction to who was I to stand in the way of God. That's one way to position yourself in relationship to the will of God for the church. The other, the other place you can position yourself is where Peter was, right? Well, Peter struggles with the vision. He genuinely struggles with the vision. God has to give him the same vision three times, right? To make a point. Um, but he goes. Again, doesn't fully understand, but he obeys. He goes. Oh, sure, he takes three times the number of witnesses needed. He takes six people. They only needed the testimony of two. He takes six with him, like... You know, um, but he sees God at work. And when he sees God at work, he says, who was I that I should stay in the way of God? Well, Peter defines himself as one who needs to obey the will of God. He understands that God is leading and he needs to obey he doesn't need to question God. He doesn't need to stand against God. He doesn't need to do any of that stuff. He doesn't need to stop and do a Bible study on why would God say such a thing. You know, he needs to just go there and obey. So here's a third option. Man, man, I love this one. Barnabas is being sent out by the church. Barnabas is being sent out by the church in, uh, in Jerusalem and, and like, go look into this disciple, into this Gentile thing. And, and he goes there. Uh, see, verse 22, the report of this came to the ears of the church of Jerusalem. They set out Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came, he could have seen a number of things. He could have seen the chaos. Man, these folks don't know what they're doing. He could have seen the, just the, the disorderly, like, man, they don't know their Judaism. They don't know their, they have no tradition. This is a mess. 
right? He could have judged them in, the, in, in any number of ways. But here's what the Bible says. He saw the grace of God. Sounds like something simple, but guess what? This is something that for the life of them, the, the first the party of the circumcision could not see. They could see everything wrong about it, but they for the life of them could not see the grace of God in this. See, it takes something different to see the grace of God when God is leading. Sure, it may be messy. Sure, it may be disorderly. Sure, it could probably not make sense. When God is sending you in, in, into this unknown ministry, why would Barnabas, how can he see the grace of God? Well, he was a good person. That's what the Bible says. Well, I don't think that's what it is. Well, he was a good person, but here's why he saw the grace of God. Bible says, verse 24, he was a good man, sure, but he was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. The Holy Spirit that was in him confirmed to his heart, that's me at work right there. And he saw the grace, he understood the grace, and he rejoiced. So, you could be Peter in the midst of it, in the thick of it, and, and obeying and, and doing it. Or you can be a supporter, seeing where God is leading church, the church and say, well, I see the grace of God in this. I'm not going to stand against it. I'm going to be for it. I'm going to do my part. And Barnabas sees the grace of God. And man, finally, there's a church in Jerusalem. See, the church in Jerusalem to me, it's the, well, that's, that's how the, this text starts, right? It's, it's the home of the circumcision party. It's like the, the first Baptist of the early church. It's like the, these guys are the guardians of the sound tradition. They audit new ministries. They debrief Peter uh, in, their, in, in the Cornelius encounter. They send out Barnabas to audit uh, the, Antioch, uh, the Antioch movement and all that stuff. And, um, but Peter obviously confronts the church with the same question. Who was I that I should stay in the way of God? And here's what the Bible says, continuing verse 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent. A sense of awe came over the whole church. They felt God's presence all over this. And then, um, and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles, God also granted repentance that leads to life. They glorified God. When they saw what God was doing, the church, not the party of whatever. See, it's, it's funny. If you, if you, these party of the, the circumcised, they're, they're like the white noise of the New Testament. They're, you find them here and there and, and bothering ministry, but, but they fade out. They go away. The church of God prevails, and the church sees God in it and rejoices and joins in. So much so that you see it in, in verse 27. We didn't read the scripture, but... Uh, in those days, he, he, they sent out prophets and teachers from Jerusalem to Antioch to strengthen the church. And you're going to see that in, ch in verse thir uh, chapter 13 and 1. And, and these people start serving and putting their gifts uh, in, in, into, into play to serve and strengthen the church of Antioch. So the church really gets it. They say, well, now our, our, our ministry as a church is to strengthen that ministry, to be there and serve. So... Let me ask you the same question this morning. Knowing that God is leading His church, undoubtedly, in good times and bad times, how do you position yourself in relationship to the will of God? Are you the skeptic that stands back and says, I don't know about this. It doesn't make sense to me. 
that doesn't really fit in with why would God do this anyway? You know? Maybe God should need would need to come, you know, give me a, a vision and explain it to me first, right? Or you could be somebody like Barnabas that looks at it and says, Man, God is in this and all over this, and I see the grace of God here. My heart is gonna be for this. Or you could be Peter that doesn't really understand, but goes all the way in and says, Lord. It may not make sense for me. It's within your plan. It may make sense for me at some point, And even if it doesn't for the rest of my life, I'm going to obey and follow. Right? Or you could be that obedient church that feels the presence of God and is silent in the presence of God as a church should and then rejoices and joins in. Let's pray. Dear God, you are the head of your church and you are leading your church and we are grateful that this is so we're grateful that we don't need to make up a new vision we don't need to make up a new uh, um, strategy you have it in your sovereignty you plan out history and, and we're taking part of it right now lord uh, you're leading your church today even through these pandemics and and, and all the social movements everything that's going on lord you're in control and your gospel uh, is still saving people. And I'm praying, Lord, that as, as, as we see your leadership in church, that our heart would obey and rejoice and see the grace and follow. I'm praying, Lord, that you would bless uh, this church here, our church back home uh, in, in Ridgewood, that we would be faithful in following you. That in times like this, Lord, you would find us good servants. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.